Welcome to Rich Conversations. Right now I'm walking on the lakefront path. I'm gonna go shoot some hoops at uh, the beach. Nearing the uh, end of the summer here. I'm going to New York this upcoming weekend and to me this is kind of like mentally the, the end of the summer. So we're like ending it with an exclamation point, going to uh, a wedding in upstate New York and then hanging out in the city for a few days. So I'm excited for that. Uh, this summer's been really transformative. And uh, I apologize for the inconsistency with the podcast. You know, since the, uh, the gunman encounter when uh, I think I don't know what episode it was, like maybe two... 48, where uh, I talked about it with NASA's Cat Kennedy, basically, like, I think within, like, 24 hours of when it happened, walking down the street, SUV pulls up to a stop sign, doors fly open, and three guys with Uzi guns run at me, demand I give them everything I have. Uh, Eventually, I did, so I had nothing, and now we're back, and we're upgraded. Uh, so it's been quite a journey and it's been, it's been such an interesting summer. Um, but this fall coming up after New York, I plan to be a lot more, uh, I've been focused on my organization. I had been for a while and now I'm getting like really, really good at it. But I would say, going back to our guest today, Logan Koshenka, he's a software engineer at Spotify. We actually recorded a conversation, like, I think before Thanksgiving last year. So this is a while ago. And we had such an incredible conversation, but I accidentally deleted the files. Uh, I recorded it to my computer and then, I don't know, I was trying to transfer it over to my external hard drive. Anyways, it was a great learning opportunity. Unfortunately, uh, that was the casualty, but that's kind of been the theme of, I don't want to say this podcast, but just everything I'm doing, it's that learning curve. You got to attack the learning curve where... If you want to get really great at something, you have to just try and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and just learn from it and uh, understand that that's part of the process. It sucks at the time, right? Because we, oh man, we were talking about technology and (laughs) the future and it was so much fun. Um, But we're back. We're back and I would say from that experience, you know, I got, I was like, that's not happening again. So I, I, I get better at organization in, in that way. But in this episode, so Logan and I reconvene. He, uh, he now is a software engineer at Spotify. We talk about Spotify. We talk about college football. We talk about technology and the future and what he's excited for, for the future. And what the internet and uh, so much allows us to do. We're living in a very interesting time and uh, also the importance of self-education. 
Logan shares kind of his journey from, you know, like as a teenager to where he is now. And it's, it's really motivating, inspiring, and I'm excited to share this with you guys. So uh, lots of stuff coming up. We're sitting on a lot of recordings. We're able to record very easily as well. So uh, things, are, things are looking good. Uh, all right, enjoy. All right, so I'm with Logan Kashenka, and uh, this is actually the second time that we're having this conversation in a way. We we talked like nine, what was it, like nine months ago? Yeah, something like that. And uh, I accidentally deleted the files. And uh, I felt so terrible about that because we had such a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, we did, which is, but it's it's all good. We can do it again. We can do it again. So why don't yeah. we, uh, you're joining us from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, why don't you give a Correct. brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, so my name is Logan. I am uh, 27. I am an iOS engineer for Spotify, which is new. Uh, it is new. From the it last is new. conversation we've had. But but yeah, I am from Eastern Ohio, and uh, I enjoy like anything entrepreneurship and tech-related. Also into fitness and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and things like that. So So yeah, I'm happy to um, redo this. Uh, how would you describe Columbus, Ohio? Uh, the, the word that always comes to my mind is underrated. Um, okay. I think there's not like one big thing that it's known for, but I think the city of Columbus has just a lot of underrated factors that whether it's something to do on the weekends or the food scene, or like the scenery around town. Um, I think it's a, a good way to put it would be underrated. How would you describe? Uh, so you've, you've been in Silicon Valley, you've been in Austin. Uh, what were those experiences like visiting? Very America? cool. Very cool. I, I was in Silicon Valley at 19 or 20 years old. And that really kind of shaped I knew I had wanted to be involved in entrepreneurship and build my own things, but I didn't know in what context I wanted to do it. And I was out there, I was living in San Mateo in 2015. So I was able to see firsthand at these different tech events and meeting different software engineers that like, oh, this is a very valuable skill. And it's it was aligned with my interest at the time. So I um that that experience is really what led me into learning how to code, yeah. which is cool. And then when I think about Austin, uh, I just think fun. Like that that city is very cool, and I feel like anyone could have a good time there. And I feel like there's a hundred different ways to have a good time there, whether yeah. it's like the nightlife or or hiking or. And you think Texas, you think like for me at least growing up in Ohio, when I thought Texas, I thought flat, you know, not not necessarily a ton of green, but like Austin and the Lake Travis area, especially right outside of it, um, there's so much to do outside. And 
there's popular like public uh, natural pool swimming hole type deals that people yeah. just go to on weekends and live music everywhere and good food everywhere. And Austin was very cool. Um, but yeah, I think those two traveling to those two cities and living there for an amount of time really kind of helped me, um, you know, appreciate what I like in yeah. cities and they also affected like my trajectory moving forward and my career and stuff yeah. like that. So that's cool too. But I think there are factors that, you know, you, you learn to like this more than this. And then now that I'm in Columbus, I can appreciate certain, certain things that may or may not have been in those other cities that I've lived in. Elaborate on that. So what, what are those, the Silicon Valley, Austin, what are they missing that um, you preferred that you find valuable? I think, um, well, I'll, I'll start with, uh, oh, sorry. The dogs are barking. Can you hear them? You're, you're good. Um, I think I, I'll start with the cost of living because Columbus, Ohio mm. in general too, it's just like your money goes a lot further. Um, <laughs> so that's nice. But I don't know. I think just me growing up in Ohio, and this is nothing bad on the people anywhere but i think uh there's a certain um at least in the big cities i feel like in columbus especially there's a certain like we're in this together uh welcoming yeah. type of vibe and i i did feel that a good bit in in austin and silicon valley as well but i i do feel like um you know ohio has always been home to me so i feel like i've i've meshed with the people in ohio the best yeah so yeah that that's interesting. Um, yeah. The people in Silicon Valley and Austin, are there a lot of similarities, especially in probably the circles that you frequent? Yeah, I think um, Silicon Valley, in the, in the time that I was there, at least, I was in the tech scene. I was attending like this entrepreneurship boot camp accelerator sort of deal. And I was surrounded by um, people from all over the world, very ambitiously, like going after starting their own company yeah. and raising um, investor money and doing all of these very exciting things. So that was sort of infectious. That was super cool to be around. And that felt unique. That felt special. And mm -hmm. it was unique because I was in like a program where I was surrounded by these people. Um, but I didn't have too much experience outside of that circle. So I don't feel necessarily qualified to speak on that, yeah. but Austin, yeah, there is some similarities in terms of like Austin and Columbus and the general, um, the general vibe when you're maybe when you're out at a bar or something like it's a very yeah. fun, you know, patio indoor slash outdoor bars with, with yeah. games outside with you know live music on and it's yeah. typically like this young crowd that no one's no one's too good to be there type of thing yeah, yeah. like that's i think that's what i appreciate like it's um wear shorts and and sandals if you want like no one really cares and of course there's your very uh like high dress code bars but you know it's it's laid back i guess that's a good way to put yeah. it it like lets loose a little bit right yeah 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 and, and both the other thing to you kind of have to point this out is like 
the states, Ohio and, and Texas in general, but also like the city of Columbus and the city of Austin yeah. go absolutely nuts over football. So yeah. like if it's football season and you go anywhere near downtown or campus or anything, that's going to like yeah. totally engulf you almost like there's every everywhere you look there's um some watch party or tailgating or whatever it is so um ohio state's first game is coming up uh it's either this week it's notre dame right yeah it's gonna be you're a big college football guy yeah i love i love football in general um but i went to ohio university so like and there's a lot of ohio university people that look at ohio state like you know, I don't like them because I didn't go to that school. But yeah, for me, like if, if it's Ohio, I'll root for them. But I'm not, yeah. I'm not as diehard as everyone around me. But like, it's Ohio very State cool fans to go to the game. are diehard. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to the games and stuff, and I'll, you know, it's 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 mostly just to appreciate. Like, they're a great football program, so it's like, yeah, I'll watch, and it's cool to live here. But um, but yeah, they get they get serious. <laughs> so I've I've gotten more into college football probably like the last two years um i read nick saban's biography and so like i love following the alabama program i'm from wisconsin so i follow the badgers but the badgers like they're always good but they're never excellent and it bothers me you know because i like rooting and following excellence um what do you think there's so much i something I also love is following the college football landscape and like where it's going, because I think it also is a parallel of like society in a way and where Mm -hmm. we're kind of going in the 21st century. What are kind of your thoughts on the college football realignment and where it's going? So I just, and sorry to say this with you, with you like in Alabama, but like, I like seeing Last year, how uh, Cincinnati was in the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, um, it's an Ohio like, team too, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I think in general, I like seeing different teams that you don't expect make runs. Yeah. Like, um, like when Texas A&M beat Alabama with Johnny yeah. Manziel before yeah. anyone knew who Johnny Manziel was, like yeah. that's what – in my opinion, like that's what makes college football so cool because yeah. it's like, who in the hell is this guy? It's like, yeah, they beat who? And then you see the highlights of how they did it. And you're like, this is crazy. And um, it, that could happen to like any team. Yeah. So yeah, you, you do have to appreciate like the consistent programs like Alabama, who's like always there. Because mm-hmm. that's insane. That's a crazy dynasty run that they're doing, and Saban yeah. like figured it out. But it is cool seeing, like you said, the landscape's changing, and with the NIL deals, with yeah. with all these athletes getting paid, I feel like that's going to shift. I, I know different states have different advantages now because if a, if a if an eighteen year old kid wants to, you know, if he's a huge recruit and he can make a million dollars on day one of of this team and in this state, but on this team he can't. Like he's not going to go to that team. So that's interesting to see how these laws are like playing out, and it's also interesting to see. Um, I know like Deion Sanders is a head coach at a one double A school. 
yeah uh the former like best cornerback to ever play and he got a huge i think it was last year he got a huge signing um one of the yeah. best athletes in the country which was like unheard of at the time but he's like i'm yeah. gonna go play for dion so that's interesting so i think you'll be seeing more i i feel like the alabamas and the ohio state and michigan looked good last year and all these different teams that are con- consistently good will be consistently good but i think you'll see more and more maybe upsets more and more like random yeah. teams that kind of put themselves in the mix that you wouldn't expect before. Um, I'm just glad there's a playoff system because before yeah. like it was just the championship and there was just two teams, but I know they're going to expand the playoffs soon too. Uh, so that's exciting, but it's crazy. It's, it's. So do you think with very exciting. Uh, the NIL, do you think it, it helps those like lesser consistent programs or do you think it hurts them more you know or do you think it'll just be totally random i don't know because i don't i don't feel like i've looked into it enough i think it's fascinating but i i haven't dug into like like the long-term outlook of like what will this do to the small versus big schools um because you always have athletes, yeah. there's still a limited number of spots. I think when you look at it in that context, like Alabama can't have everyone, Wisconsin can't have everyone that they want. They may be more effective at getting the players that they do want when mm-hmm. it's on this huge stage, when it's, you know, you're going to make an insane amount of money, like your first day on campus, basically, because yeah. you have this big, big name as a recruit. Um, I do think it's great that they're getting paid in general. So for the smaller programs, uh, maybe they can, you know, extract better talent or attract better talent to their programs because now it's not like, you know, I'm just going to school. Now I'm going to school and I can make money off my, my name. So I think it'll help the smaller schools just, just based off of what I know, which isn't much, uh, with with there being limited spots and a limited number of scholarships to give out, I think uh, I think it's kind of the situation where uh, what is it? High tide raises all boats. Yeah, the rise. The, the I used to say this all the time. But, uh, yeah. Rising tide. tide. The, 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 all boats rise with the tide. Yeah. Yeah. That. So if you can increase the tide, all boats will rise. Correct. I, I feel like it's it's one of that scenario where it's everyone sort of benefits from it. I'm curious how it'll affect like uh like you know these older kind of like old school coaches. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a pretty new thing that has never really been involved in the game. Or at least like yeah. legitimately or or like on the surface or whatever. It'll be interesting to see if they're willing to adapt to kind of these new, like the new kind of landscape and players and NILs. And uh, you could see, like I could see Saban being kind of grouchy about it. Whereas like a Lincoln Riley in USC can just like relate yeah. to younger players more. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Which I think. 
I think watching Lincoln Riley at USC is going to be very fun. I think I think so I too. Think they're going to be very good within the yeah. next few years. But but no, I agree. I think part of that, and I got to figure out how I want to word this. But part of their jobs, I mean, college athletes are young men who have just dominated high school football. Yeah. So, and I and I mean me at. 19 20 years old like i had an ego so i mean if i'm also a millionaire like that's interesting to think about like you know uh then you look at transfers you look at um there's been a lot of in the past like coaches speaking out against oh if you lose a starting job you should stay on your team and and you know be there for yeah, an injury happens or something but that's something we need transferring even- talk about yeah the travel portal is wild yeah and i think when you when the athletes are getting paid it's like how does that affect it you know i think you become a free agent in a way right right and there's no i don't know if you're making money there's less of a risk to i don't know i'd be curious too if like players at smaller schools they have a great season they can just enter the transfer portal, get paid at some other big school or something. Right. I wonder if that will play out. There's all these interesting dynamics now that make it yeah. more interesting to follow, whether it's good or bad. I don't know yet. Right. Right. It's definitely exciting. And I am glad that they're getting paid. Uh, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. And it's, it's like the very first time that this has been done. So seeing it play out is is interesting yeah yeah certainly um so why don't you share the story of like how you got interested in software engineering yeah so i've always sort of been um interested in inventing so i had a notebook when i was a kid tinkered with different things and drew up designs all the time and um, kept these ideas. And I got into WordPress blogging in my teens oh, yeah. and then was able to sell uh, this website that I made, this blog that I made. And that sort of got me hooked on this, um, this like entrepreneurship bug. What was this blog so, that you built? What was it about? It was called Team Cashflow. Okay. And it basically was to teach teens how to make money. And the Okay. Uh I I was following different tutorials on all these different people who had made money online through blogging. This would have mm-hmm. been 2010, 2011. And I was learning through there. So I'm blogging about you know, how to approach your neighbors if you want to cut their grass or... So you're like 15 years old at the time when you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, like I had a list of 100 ways to to make money as a teen. Um, if you live in a cold climate, you can shovel s- snow out of driveways, sidewalks, things of that nature. Um, yeah, all these different ideas... And just sort of kept blogging, not really knowing what the end goal was, but then uh, almost a year later discovered a website flipping 
website uh, called (laughs) a website flipping website called flippa and i was able to list it on there and 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 sell it so that gave me like a bug that was like i was hooked and i wanted to continue down that route and create things and build things so at the time i still couldn't code it was just this limited wordpress knowledge but I had some money saved up from that sale and I paid a development firm to build the next idea that I had, which was Mm. um, like an expertise sharing website. The idea was that I always Googled things and I would just Google everything that I couldn't figure out. I would YouTube it, Google it. When I knew someone that was knowledgeable in that area, it was way easier. I could just ask that person questions. So I thought of a website where you could have a profile list the top three to five things that you're knowledgeable in. Here's, here's my jam. Here's my areas of expertise. And then people could find you and ask you questions. I had no idea what I was doing in terms of the business. And I just kept like attending these different pitch events. And I had this like terrible website developed for me and no users and was just really trying to get it off the ground. And I was sort of learning as I went and I got accepted into this program in Silicon Valley for entrepreneurs, essentially like an entrepreneurship boot camp. Okay. And there they basically coach you on your business. And that was where I learned a ton in terms of like, well, why would someone want to be on this website if they're not searching for advice? Like, why would I list my area of expertise? Am I getting paid? Do Mm -hmm. I get credits? Do I get anything in return? And it's like, I never even thought of this. And I'm just like Mm -hmm. a 19-year-old clueless kid at the time. Like, oh, that's a good point. Like, I always (laughs) just thought if you build it, they'll show up. But (laughs) there was real work involved that Mm -hmm. like, I was able to start doing. Um, So it was very valuable. It was very useful. I met a ton of people. The program was very um, international, made a ton of friends and met several uh, engineers. And my startup had failed. We pitched to investors. It was a great experience, but I, I essentially failed because I had nowhere to go with it. Couldn't recruit anybody, but I just thought to myself, you know, I'm young. If I learn how to code, then I'll really have no excuse to fail. I really won't have this like, oh, I couldn't recruit anybody as an excuse. It's just that I I would be able to build the ideas that I had. And that was incredibly attractive to me. The idea that I could have a idea in my mind and then just begin building it. So I taught myself iOS development over the next, you know, really several years, but that first year was like a giant push into iOS development. So I was, I would make myself do three hours a day in terms of tutorials online and uh, launched a few apps on campus during college. I had returned home back to Ohio University to finish my undergraduate. Um, but I knew what I wanted to do. So that was an exciting period um, in college because 
the goal wasn't get a computer science degree. The goal was like graduate as soon as possible and build as many apps as you can. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of how I looked at it. And I, I launched a couple of social apps on campus that, that flopped because I was still learning and a one man team and uh, didn't know as much. And I had a game that was a, a bit successful. So that was exciting. And then it just led, to, it was mm-hmm. a process of like, okay, this is a little better. This is a little better. This is a little better. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, down the road that translated more into like professional iOS positions where I worked okay. at a firm in Seattle and then JP Morgan Chase and now Spotify. So I do miss the, uh, the involvement that I had in these ind- independent projects and I'm starting to get back into them now um, because I, I feel myself working and I'm like, I miss building my own apps. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing that now sort of publicly. Um, I created a YouTube channel to, to do tutorials on. And I think I'm going to be posting a lot more of like story type videos of like maybe sort of vlog slash documentary feeling type videos of me releasing an app on, on a more regular basis. So, so that's what I'm looking forward to now, like weekends and evenings, that'll be like my, my passion project. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was incredibly excited to get the job at Spotify. So I'm uh, coming up on like three months there now. So love it. Super cool. And I'm just glad that like that experience of being like, Oh, I need to teach myself how to code has led to all these very exciting things, all these different people I've met because I built this app in college and I met this friend that was interested in doing the same thing, whether it's coworkers at Chase or Spotify, um, all of the above. It's very glad I got involved in it. What, uh, before we talk about Spotify, I'm really curious about Spotify. How important was self-education in this process and just trial and error doing it failing doing it again and going i mean that was it was really the the only thing it was um i knew that after talking to the the different software engineers i knew that there'd be a huge learning curve so i i really utilized different online tutorials and like e-learning platforms and just forced myself for the first it was most of that first year i would force myself to do like three hours a day and i would have like a a calendar where i would mark off like did you do three hours today that takes a lot of dedication three hours a day yeah yeah and it's tough i mean especially in the beginning like three hours of failing really like three hours of it's so like demoralizing yeah yeah first start yeah of just being lost so I got through like the, the sludge of just like, huh, I got to go through this. And um, slowly but surely you notice different patterns and your brain starts to recognize like, oh, I've seen this before and we know how to do this part. So if this is similar to this, maybe this is how you do it. And I mean, a lot of it to this day for me is still like getting on stack overflow like any software engineer will tell you like a lot of the job involves like googling this specific error that they came across but 
um, I think just more and more experience is, is the key. It's just like yeah. putting in your reps, the whole 10,000 hours thing, like just, just go. Yeah. So tell me about Spotify. How's that? Yeah. Been? So I, I was at chase and, um, didn't really, uh, see myself being there long-term, uh, the team that I was on and everything and have some friends in the tech industry now that work for these like more exciting big tech companies with, you know, way higher salaries and benefits and, you know, the, the flashy brand names and stuff. And I thought I'm doing the same exact job for a different company. So it's not like this person is, I mean, they may be better or worse as a software engineer, but like, I, I thought I'm, I'm doing the same thing. It's not a Mm. totally different job. If I'm doing the exact same job that they're doing just at a different company, then like I could work at these companies too. So that I, that was my mindset. And I, I'm not sure if you know, the uh, interview process for like software engineers is. uh, Tell me about this. I want to know about this. Yeah. The reputation for it is, is pretty, pretty scary because you have to do, um, Typically you do like a phone screening okay. where that's essentially to, to weed out. Um, and this isn't any one company I'm talking about here. It's pretty much standard across the board with some flexibility and some differences for each one. But typically there's a, uh, a phone call with a recruiter that saw your application and, you know, wants to make sure you're like a real human. That's not crazy. And, you know, you can have like people skills and then they yeah. schedule like a phone screen or a text screen is what they'll call it, where you typically would do a live coding exercise, which is essentially like I, I describe it to my girlfriend as like a puzzle, but okay. like a software engineering puzzle, like a math problem to solve. And it's live and you don't know the question beforehand. So there's it's it's a little high pressure it's like on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And they're timed, you know, you have like one hour and the first 10 minutes is a greeting. And then you have to solve like two of these in, you know, 20 minutes each. And there's, you may have a solution, but it may not be the optimal solution. So then you have to talk about like what you would do to improve this. You have to know how, how efficient your solution is. There's this thing called the big O notation and the big O basically measures the efficiency of your your algorithm so that's the first part and that's essentially to weed out anyone that's like not even supposed to be there and that part's hard like it's tough (laughs) i couldn't do that and i'm a software engineer but (laughs) it's i mean it's tough and you have to really prepare for your prepare for your interviews if you're a software engineer and like it it's a lot of the skills are the same, but mm-hmm. a lot of people in the tech industry will argue that it's like a separate skill entirely, like interviewing and then the things that you do day to day are like not the best representation, but I mean, it is what it is. So if you're doing um, it live, can you Google search errors or no? You have to know the no, stuff. Some interviewers will say like, so when you code, there's essentially like an autocomplete that will like suggest different functions that you may be trying to find. So if you forget something like that, some interviewers may be like, and if you forget, you know, 
what exactly it's named or okay. something, you can Google that. But typically, no. Typically, it's yeah. like, unless they say, and feel free to, to read up for a second on, you know, the specific thing I'm asking you about in case you need a refresher. Uh, yeah. But typically, like, you don't, you don't Google anything. But yeah, so you get through the, uh, the text screen, which is tough, and then you'll have an on-site. And what the on-site is, is usually four to five hour-long interviews. And you can, a lot of times you can break this up over like one day or two days. And okay. I went through the interview process with like a few of the larger tech companies. And it's usually two coding, which is the same thing as a tech screen, but like they just hit you from different areas. So like okay. they want to, like for me, for iOS, I need to have enough knowledge in like iOS specific topics and also like general software engineering, algorithmic type questions. Um, and then there would be like a behavioral interview where it's like, will this person fit with our team? You know, mm. are they good at communicating? And then there's a system design, which is my least favorite. And the system design is essentially a whiteboarding session where you're not coding, okay. but they'll say like, how would you build Instagram? And you have to map out with diagrams like, okay, this is our database. And I would call this class this, and our data would be fetched from here. And I think um, we could use this sort of pattern on our, like it's, it's very nerve wracking because I had an interview with a very large tech company that was okay. like initially my dream to work there. Okay. And now looking back, like I'm so glad it didn't work out, but I made it to the onsite mm. and I felt good about it. Is the like, onsite that's, did you go to California for this? No, since like the, the COVID thing happened, oh, it's, COVID. Okay. they'll call it the onsite. And I, in the okay. past you would have been flown out uh to the headquarters and do these in person but uh it, it'd be a virtual on-site now so like wow. all the on-sites i did were virtual but i had my systems design interview and my interviewer was eight minutes late and the entire time like that system design interview is so tough because it's sort of a discussion where i'm leading okay. the conversation as the inter as the interviewee and I'm saying, so do you have a preference on whether I use this or this? And, you know, you're hoping the person gives you a little bit of like feedback. My interviewer barely said anything. I was just okay. like, sure, go ahead. What do you think? <laughs> and I'm like, it was, it was so nerve wracking. And I just wanted this job very badly. And, um, at the end of the onsite, I thought like, this could go either way. Like, I feel pretty good about these two I did. I feel, you know, iffy about this one, but maybe I'm thinking too much. And I, I got rejected and was like heartbroken. And then Spotify, mm -hmm. that entire time I'm interviewing with all these different companies had sort of, um, I was talking to like two different recruiters. I think they were coordinating on who I was supposed to talk to. And I hadn't heard back from them for like three weeks. Okay. And then I get like, I, I turned down a couple offers that weren't like, I just didn't see myself working there for whatever reason. And I got rejected from a couple as well that were like solid companies. And then um, 
Spotify after that whole process, they reached back out. And my plan after, you know, it didn't work out was, all right, I'm going to practice all of these concepts for the rest of mm-hmm. uh, the year with it would this year. So like 2022, I was going to yeah. just really like get back to my like three hours a day thing, maybe do like yeah. an hour a day in the morning, like whatever it would be. My plan was to practice all year. And then at the end of the year, just give a giant push and like apply yeah. everywhere, send out, you know, all these different resumes and um, do some sample work for companies and really like make a push to get a new job. But I had still been fresh from the interviewing. So I was like, sure. And got in touch with Spotify and um, Spotify and Uber actually. And okay. interviewed with them like at the same exact time. And then the Spotify on site, I had scheduled it like three weeks away. So I had time to prepare for that. And the Uber was like the week after. Okay. So I did my Spotify on site. And I just knew like the people that I interviewed with and I can like even more so the people that I work with now Mm -hmm. are incredible. And just interviewing with them, there was, it was the opposite of the other experience that I had where the people were like, it felt like they were on your side. They wanted you to succeed. And I had great conversations. And once I knew I got the Spotify gig, like I knew I was getting an offer. I I'm like, I'm not even, I'm, I've canceled the interview with Uber. Like yeah. I think the Uber job would have been very cool, mm. but just thinking about the brand of Spotify and like, it's, yeah. it's something I use daily and it's, I, I just love everything they stand for. Yeah. And I had such a good experience. I was like, I want this. Yeah. So like I said, I'm, I'm coming up on three months I've been to New York twice where my team is based, but my team being based there means like the office is there. A a lot of my team is in, you know, is all over the world. So that's, that's very cool that, you know, I work with people from everywhere and, you know, like team, team activities in New York that we did and, my first week there was like a big field day where I got to, we took a ferry across the Hudson river and um, spent a day at this huge park playing games. And like, it's incredible. And I I feel incredibly lucky to work there. And um, I remember when I was interviewing, my recruiter said like, I've only been here a few months and I'm just shocked at, I, I think I asked a question of like, what's your favorite part about working there? Yeah. Um, and she told me, I've only been here a few months and everyone's so nice. I'm waiting for it to like snap back to reality. <laughs> She's like, but it hasn't happened yet. And now I get what she was saying because like okay. everyone around you is so willing to help, so welcoming to new hires, so like collaborative and open to feedback. And it's, it's very cool. Oh, uh, so, yeah. A friend of mine, he said something that really struck me, and that's Spotify is the single app in his life that enhances his life without a doubt and makes his his experience living better. That Spotify wow. single app is the greatest thing, greatest app that he has, you know? That's and, interesting. And like, it makes sense. 
Yeah. It's like music is so a part of each of us, even though we all listen to different types of music that like, you know, I'm using it too every right. single day. And it's like, it's cool that, especially that you're able to work at a company and be building and being a part of an app and a company that enhances so many people's lives on a daily basis. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like I said, I feel incredibly lucky to work there. Uh, yeah. I think the other cool thing is too, they really take care of their employees. Like the company is, the company has like European values because they're based out of Stockholm, Sweden. Oh, interesting. And just the, we, we have like a, a wellness week, for example, where we don't have to work um, this week coming up um, down the road. It's not anytime soon, but yeah, they announced it. It's just as a wellness week to like relax. Whatever you and, do. Yeah. And, you know, rest and recharge and whatever it is. So like things like that and mm. different, different benefits that they offer those sorts of like company values, those sorts of things that the company does to take care of their employees is so cool to see, especially because I'm just used to like, we want to get absolutely every ounce out of you that we can in terms of, you know, you better work and like yeah. the, the very aggressive, like capitalistic values of, <laughs> you know, your typical, um, so it's new to me and it's, it's very cool. Like it's, it's a lot different from what I've done in the past mm -hmm. and in a, in a very good way. Um, so, so yeah, I, I hope I'm at Spotify for a long time. Yeah. Elaborate more on working on teams as a software engineer. What exactly does that mean? And uh, like, I've talked to other engineers and they always team team they always mention the word team and my team we did this and you know um you know we got together as a team and did that and your team's members of your team are all over the world like how does that work as a software engineer yeah so i think that's something that'll depend like on different on different companies with different goals um for example my my team at chase I think the easiest way to describe it is that you separate certain responsibilities in the teams. Okay. Um, my sole focus at Chase was anything investment related. So like mobile investment team was, was what I did at Chase. And so that included features on like investment dashboards. Like if you open an app, if you open an account within the Chase or JP Morgan iOS app, like mm -hmm. that's, that was our realm of, of, of things to work on. And okay. there were a couple of teams that did have overlap, but typically I feel like it is pretty standard across the board to separate these teams in terms of specific areas of responsibility. So um, I work on the ads at Spotify in a more okay. like specific way, like a more internal way. Um, but typically these teams 
will have one to two engineers of a certain discipline. So you might have like two iOS, two Android, um, a web engineer or two, or um, it just depends on the company and what, what okay. you're doing. Like, I think my, my team size at Chase was, was roughly 12. Um, we had like three iOS, three Android, um, but no designers on our team. Whereas like other companies may have designers that mix in with a certain team too. So it's interesting in terms of passing requirements from okay. like product teams over to your engineers. So typically like at Chase, we had a person on our team that was in charge of saying like, okay, here's what they want. Okay. So they would, they would pass these requirements on to the engineers where my job was really just like get a requirement and finish it. And, and like do the task, um, which is a bit different at Spotify where I, I have, you know, more of a voice. I have more autonomy to say like, you know, I, th I think a better way to do this could be this. And then a lot of, a lot of the discussions at Spotify are more open to that sort of collaboration where you may okay. have some sort of input that, that someone else didn't see before. And that could change the requirements that you may be pursuing mm. at the time. So uh, I think it just, it's a very broad uh, term to have a team. And I know like smaller companies might have like three people on a team, might yeah. have like one iOS, one Android, and um, like one business side. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. very, um, it varies a lot, but I think the easy way to understand it for me would be like, what's this team's responsibility? And then just understand that everyone on this team is working toward this one goal. And then when you okay. think about a giant company, like a, like a Spotify, like there's many teams. So then that kind of moves in unison. Interesting. Where, where do you see the internet? in the next like 10 years? Oh man, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. I think there's some exciting developments. I think um, with blockchain technology is very exciting. And I think uh, the whole metaverse vr ar thing is also that those two things in my head i think um like phases and um fad a fad kind of comes and goes okay. but i feel like blockchain and um mixed reality whether it's vr or ar i feel like those things have kind of proved already like they're not yeah. they're not really going anywhere so it's exciting to think about what those will um, kind of evolve into. What kinds of things uh, can be utilized on the blockchain? Like what examples of how we live life within the next five years can be like uh, sourced back to blockchain? Yeah, so I just want to preface this by saying like, I don't know a ton. I'm, I'm still sort of in the 
research, figure it out stage. But from what I understand, I think, um, I think different sales are a very likely scenario. Um, whether it's like tickets to an event or like major online transactions, just because of the way the blockchain set up with the ledger, there's this decentralized way of saying this person definitely bought this thing. And, okay. um, you don't know who the person is. It's just a series of like letters and numbers. It's just an ID. Uh, it would be, I believe the wallet purchased this. Okay. So I think when you think about it in that, you, you look at like uh, QR codes instead of yeah. scanning that to walk in a museum that could likely be an NFT or um, yeah, I think there's interesting things to think about in like real estate too, like buying a house or a plane ticket um, tickets to a concert tickets to any type of event um, I don't know. It's I'm like I said, I'm certainly yeah. not an expert on it. So I I'm interesting to kind of to kind of see it play out as well. What excites you most about the future? Um I think it's it's very cool to look at um this idea of like decentralization, I think the internet sort of brings on this open opportunity to everyone. So I think the thing that excites me most about the future is that continued trend of like, there being almost no barrier to entry to do the thing that you want to do. So you take music artists, for example, like the gatekeeping that would take place in the eighties and nineties, like you needed a record label, some some like old white guy would just decide if you were good enough. Like mm -hmm. that's crazy now. Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a 16 year old kid could, you know, record something in their closet and upload it. It's like buy equipment off Amazon and upload it online and attract fans. And it's like, no one's, no one can really tell you like whether or not you're allowed to create music. Cause that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, podcasting, mm -hmm. the barrier to entry has been, it's really like letting the market decide, like you decide what, what YouTube videos you watch, you decide what music you listen to. Yeah. That may be a huge uh, artist or that might be a upcoming artist. So that is what excites me. I think this idea that like everyone has a shot, everyone has their opportunity to to do what they want to do, whether it's producing um, a certain type of content or like starting a certain type of business or whatever it may be. Like we may see, we were talking about college football. We may see a, a rise in like college football athletes, um, like producing content and vlogging or sharing like what life is like behind the scenes and, and things of that nature. Mm. And, that could be another avenue for that athlete to like make money or uh, get new fans or whatever it may be. So I think the thing that excites me about the future is like the, 
the elimination of like barriers of entry to different to different fields, I guess. Like me learning how to code. Like the internet is the reason I was able to learn how to code because I taught myself through online tutorials. Um, if if I grew up in the age like before those were available, then I would have had to um, get like a computer science degree, which nothing wrong with that, but mm. um, but there's no gatekeeping. It's like if I got hired for my first job because I I built apps, but like no one had to. I didn't I didn't need anyone's permission to build the apps. I just had to figure it out. And it's how the much, same with how much did that, it cost you to teach yourself the skills? Less than like total. I mean, I already had the laptop. That would have been the, the most cost. But I, I was any courses I bought were ten to twenty dollars. Um, maybe an ebook for like forty nine dollars. But yeah, um, typically free ten dollars, twenty dollar like big courses online. Um, so less than, I would say less than 500 total, um, which is crazy. Yeah. And now you're a software engineer at Spotify. Yeah. Very cool to think about. Now, how much do you ever think about how, say you and I, for example, it seems like we were born at the right time where we can see what's kind of happening with the landscape and the technology and the software where like we're able to kind of design our lives in a way we have more control in a sense um yeah it feels like we're, we're we were born at the right time as far as yeah. if we're looking at kind of human history and controlling our own lives and dreams yeah, no, I agree. I think we we have this unique experience of like witnessing the the change of that landscape and the the rise of the internet. And um, I know for me personally, I'm sort of hesitant to get too too involved with certain like if I'm using my my phone for too long, there's like this thing in my head that's like, put your phone down, go outside, go do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I used to do that, so. Mm. Yeah, I think not only that, but like catching opportunities and seeing like, oh, this person was successful at the rise of this period. And like, this person was early on this trend and stuck with it. And now they're the biggest person in that space. And it's cool to see, like, I, I'm always thinking about like entrepreneurship and from a business perspective, it's, it's very cool to see the opportunities that are now available because of the internet. Um, and this does relate to the last question too, with the gatekeeping, but like, not only that, but I mean, if you sell t-shirts and you're a business um, before the internet, you sold to your city, you sold to your local, yeah. whoever came in your store. And now your store could be on Shopify and reach yeah. millions of people. Um, Instead of having so to buy all that inventory. And then having to physically move it within your geographical scape, you could have someone have the t-shirts there, print it and ship it. All you have to do is like the front end exactly. transactions. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, well, this has been a, another phenomenal conversation. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. In the uh, show notes and descriptions, you can find links to Logan's social media channels and what he's working on. Just remember, keep trying, keep failing, keep learning, and uh, you're going to be stronger and better for it. Have a fantastic day.